The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the O3C Podcast, coming to you from O3C Games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by Chris Dow. An onion bargy dinner. And Minty Booth. With an egg on top. And we are talking about our very favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! So, this is the end of our fourth season. It's the final reappraisal after spending the last 35 weeks talking about the best games we've played over the last few years to retroactively crowbar into our top 100 favourite video games of all time lists. We're here to cement our choices, talking about the big movers and shakers, and also give an honourable mention to those games that almost made it into our lists this time round. The other thing we'll be doing today is bidding a very fond and entirely non-final farewell to Mr. Minty Booth. Minty has been a wonderful, continually joyful and hilarious member of our trio and entirely vital in this show becoming what it is. It's uh, certainly not goodbye forever. Don't be surprised if Minty makes some guest appearances in the future of the podcast or on our YouTube channel, on our website, on the Discord server. And we will be giving him a proper send-off with a special episode next week. You're in for a treat, I'll tell you that now. But me and Chris will be continuing with the show, and we're very excited to announce what our plans will be for the next season of the podcast. As a little tease, some of the things we'll be talking about going forward are, in no particular order, the Steam Deck, the play date, the best video game soundtracks, a Triforce of Zelda specials, special guests, special treats even our attempt to develop an original video game. All that and more, possibly less, is to come on the future of this show. (laughs) If you want to be involved with what we're doing at O3C Games, then there are a few ways you can do that. Help support us. Main way is by subscribing to our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash O3C Games. In exchange for a monthly contribution, starting at as little as £4 a month, which is a pound an episode, you can get access to exclusive content such as deleted scenes, outtakes, full bonus episodes, and exclusive video content. You also get to join us on the Patreon-exclusive Discord server, where you can chat with us to talk about the show, suggest things for us to cover in the future, talk to us about the games we're playing, just hang out with us and the other Patreons, and our wonderful selection of special guests from previous episodes of the show, We'd be hugely appreciative of the support, as it is vital to enable us to continue doing the show and uh, doing what we love and hopefully you enjoy. If subscribing isn't your bag, then you can go to the support page on our website, o3c.games support. There you can find quick and easy links to share the website and the podcast on your social media platforms. That's always a huge help to get some new ears involved here. But there's also a one-off PayPal donation button. So if you don't want to subscribe to a regular contribution, you can still chuck us a few quid via that button to pat us on the back and say thanks, well done, and please continue. An enormous thanks to our Patreons who have supported us throughout this season. We absolutely couldn't do it without you, and we hope to see many more of you join our family in the Discord server in the future. What's that? Majestically cresting the horizon as it makes its way into port. Why, it's the brand new HyperX Armada monitors, mounts, and arms. Both the HyperX Armada 25 and 27 gaming monitors come bundled with the sturdy HyperX Armada mount and arm. 
If you need every split second of advantage when gaming, the Full HD Armada 25 and its 240Hz refresh rate are for you. If you like to soak in the graphical majesty of your gaming, you'll be eyeing the Quad HD Armada 27 with an 165Hz refresh rate. Set sail for HyperX.com or Amazon.com to start making your display Armada. So, here we are at the end of our fourth season, ready to cement our new and improved 2.0 Top 100 lists. We've been amending as we go throughout the season and have covered an incredible range of games over the last few months. I got the chance to add veritable worldies like Hades, The Messenger, Outer Wilds, Dead Cells, Hollow Knight, Monster Hunter, Ori and the Blind Forest and Dark Souls. Chris covered such modern classics as Balloon Kid, Darius Burst, <laughs> Zuma's Revenge and the bang up to date Ocarina of Time, but also got it's to a wax... Good game. It's, you heard it here first. <laughs> he also got to wax lyrical about Forager, a horrible goose, Grindstone, Inside, and not Clone Hero. Minty got to talk about Digimon, Doom, Quake, Dragon Quest, Ring Fit, Pokemon Snap, some absolute curveball mobile games, and a JRPG or two, including Shin Megami Tensei V, which I believe is the fifth entry in that franchise, which reached the highest point in Minty's list this season, coming in at number eight. And straight out of the Karen Carney book of stating the fucking obvious, Chris declared Tetris Effect as his new favourite game of all time, and I whacked <laughs> Elden Ring at the top of my list. <laughs> you know what the manager's got to do? He's got to put out the best team he can, really. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. <laughs> Genuinely would listen to her and Michael Owen's podcast where they just say, oh, you know what? If they don't score a goal... They hardly ever win. They hardly ever win. <laughs> You're absolutely right there, Michael. Football. But before we come onto the minutiae of our top 100 lists, very, very quickly, what have we been playing this week? Chris? Disney Extreme Skate Adventure, Excite Truck, and Mixalumia. I've played Monster Hunter Rise, Sonic Mania, Mario Kart 8, Jetpack Joyride 2, and Hero Emblems. I've started back on Digimon Survive. I don't know which path I'll take yet, but it's time to help all those kids stay alive. I've played more <laughs> Quake because that's who I am as a person. I've also downloaded Merge Mansion because my wife gets pissed off when I very selflessly offer to help her. <laughs> <laughs> Minty, check out Hero Emblems. It is a absolutely fantastic mobile RPG with match three uh, style battle system. Okay, I'll have a look at that right now. So, well, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> Eyes on the prize. So, before we talk about the big movers and shakers on our top hundreds, let's have a quick chatette about the games that almost made it into our amendments this season. A few honourable mentions for games that we loved, but for one reason or another didn't quite make the cut. So, Minty, why don't you kick us off? Okay, yeah, so here comes three honourable mentions. My first one is Monster Hunter Stories 2. Oh, yeah. This was a fine game. Fun to play. Classic JRPG experience. I don't know enough about core Monster Hunter games to have gotten the full enjoyment from the game, I don't think. Like, if I'd played and enjoyed uh, Monster Hunter World Rise, then sure, I would have put Wings of Ruin in my list, I bet. It's like when they announced the new lineup for Strictly, and you're like, well, I, I vaguely know some of these people. <laughs> like, it's a popular show, and you'll have a good time watching it, but 
In a list of things where quality stands shoulder to shoulder with a deep personal importance, that slavish devotion to the franchise just isn't there for me. What about Monster Hunter? Bloody love Strictly. It's a good game, but it's just not good enough for me. And that tag team of silent protagonist and loudmouth sidekick that speaks for you. Mm-mm. No, no, no. No, thank you. Rune Factory 5 as well. I've always said that companies started developing 3D games a bit too early and they needed a good five years to make 2D games just that much better. The absolute pinnacle of the craft before moving along the Z-axis. 3D often felt like a crutch in those early days. Look at this game that was good in 2D. It's now passable in 3D at best. (laughs) It's sad that this is still the case in 2022 when something like Rune Factory 5 comes out. I remember thinking to myself, I won't get number four even though it's on sale because uh, number five is in development and it's going to be even better. And this new one's going to be in full 3D, the first in the franchise, which means it'll be even better. Why am I a fool that does not listen to my own words? <laughs> I traded this game in before completing it, before marrying anybody even. I just didn't think it was that good, sadly. Uh. Strong six out of ten game for sure. It's not enough when it comes to a list. Now, I know that my eclectic taste has meant that there have been some rather unexpected choices for what I've put in my list, both in terms of how well-known a game is and also how good they are. I mean, <laughs> let's not forget that for some reason Creatures 2 was in there. But <laughs> there is one game that I think was just as unexpected for its absence in my list. I don't know what it is about the first Xenoblade Chronicles that meant it just missed out on a spot over here. I mean, it's a great game. I did enjoy playing it, but I guess I just enjoyed Xenoblade X a lot more for its its, its weirdness, its greater lean into the sci-fi, the HD graphics, the scales. I cannot deny the first Xenoblade Chronicles was really good fun, but just not enough to set it apart from other very strong JRPGs and franchises in my list. And anything that was distinctive in the game, it was in Xenoblade X, I'm afraid. But perhaps I'll find a secondhand copy of number two and three at some point down the road, and seeing the grand trilogy as a whole will change my mind. But by then, we'll probably have Xenoblade Chronicles X ported to the Switch, whatever's coming next. So there we go. There's my three honorable mentions, the three that, uh, that just missed, just missed out. Fantastic. Keep listening to find out why you're wrong about Xenoblade Chronicles. (laughs) (laughs) For now, though, I'm going to start my honourable mentions uh, with a game that I think I'm actually going to add to my list. Oh, Jonathan. I know, I know, I know. And you know that... That's just a mention. That's not an honourable mention. All right. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Stop mentioning games. The season's over. This is just an episode now. Yeah, I know. But I'm going to add a game that has chalked up a lot of playtime for me, and I have declared as a perfect game for the format that it's on, and that's for the brilliant mobile game Sping. I've talked about it a fair bit in the last few episodes, as it's it's one that I've been, you know, playing very recently. It's currently an Apple Arcade exclusive, but I hope it does come to other platforms in the future for whilst it is a, a perfect mobile game in that it's playable in portrait mode, one thumb. It's incredibly fun. It's such a great game that deserves to be played by as many people as possible not just those with iPhones or who subscribe to Apple Arcade. It's joining Grindstone in my list as the other mobile game I have in there. It's going just above Backspace Bouken in the number 96 slot. I'm not going to neglect the second part of this transaction after the admin spotlight was thrust upon me so violently last (laughs) week. I will remove a game from my list, but I'm going to do that a little later when I talk about another game. 
Some other games that almost made it into my list were a few indie games that really captured my attention, my imagination. The gorgeous Lonely Mountains Downhill was a real surprise. Can't quite put my finger on why it felt so good to play. It, it was beautiful to look at, even better to listen to, thanks to some insanely well-mixed sound design. I think my attention on it got distracted by something else that came out, so I feel like I haven't had my full time with the game yet to consider it for my list, but maybe in the future. Mo Astray was another gorgeous little game I had a great time with. A real surprise for me. I can't even remember how it was recommended to me, but it, it wasn't expensive, so I picked it up. had a great time with it. Really good puzzle platforming action and incredibly well written to boot. Brilliant little game. If I get round to playing it again sometime, might reconsider it for my list. Glyph. Oh, Glyph. Oh, yeah, Glyph. Superb game. And it was an incredible treat to talk with the team that made it last season. One of the best ball rolling games I've played. And I, I love ball rolling games. You know me. I mean, love to roll a ball. I bloody love rolling a bloody ball. It had enough different to it to set it apart from the likes of Marble Blast and Super Monkey Ball. But in trying to blast through as much of the game as possible in preparation for that episode we recorded with them, I didn't really have enough time to sit and properly appreciate everything in the game. So I'd like to return to it at some point, give it its proper due and, and not rush it. I think just sit and enjoy it. A couple of Nintendo first party games almost made it onto my list this season as well. Firstly, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I'd really got my hopes up for this game after seeing so much wonderful coverage of it before its release. I was so worried it was going to disappoint. It did not. It was so lovely, so joyful, so endlessly inventive and surprising and funny and fun. It's a game I attacked with my trademark further. And so despite the game being stuffed, I mean, literally with content, I, I felt it was over too soon. Probably 40 hours in a weekend. <laughs> but it's an outstanding game. And I really hope they make another game in that style because it's a, a real benchmark for 3D platforming, I think. The other Switch game was Pokemon Legends Arceus. Pokemon has almost become a bit like FIFA now, it seems, with how quickly games are coming out. And each entry seems to bring in things that breathe new life into the games. Some of those are good. Some of those are gimmicks. Some of those are steps backwards. And Arceus probably had the biggest shakeup to its format for a core game to the point where, well, it's debatable whether it is a core game or a mainline spin-off. I don't know. But... I loved everything it did with its more open-worldness, its immediate gameplay. It really took several leaves out of the book of Monster Hunter, which was a fantastic thing. And it could definitely build on that more if it weren't for the technical limitations of the Switch, I think. But as a pure Pokemon experience, Pokemon Gold's still the best. But Pokemon Legends Arceus had certainly laid the foundation for a really great evolution of the series. And we'll see if Scarlet and Violet can build on that or if it'll buckle under the weight of this new gimmick that it's employing we'll see we'll see take your time take your time pokemon company make a really good solid game have a year off have a year off chris the first game that didn't quite enter my pantheon was also lonely mountains downhill ah oh. as you said jonathan a fantastic downhill cycling game at its core it's just a time trial experience really you know, you're aiming to get from the top of a mountain to the bottom. You're hitting checkpoints as you go. You're doing your best not to get launched off your bike or crashing into rocky obstacles. And the thing this game does really well is just the feel and the flow that you, you've touched on just then. You know, there's no music in the game. It's just this ambient sort of Foley score, as well as that fantastic focused whooshing sort of sound that ramps up as you're gaining speed. Hmm. I really enjoyed it because its simple visuals really betray its mechanical depth. 
And the real joy of the thing comes from when you start seeing small shortcuts that you're convinced could save maybe a hundredth of a second. And then you fail and fail and fail to land them, but then eventually do hit the ground perfectly and wheel away. It's incredibly satisfying. When later goals ask that you tackle the whole course without crashing, it can be a real white knuckle ride as checkpoints become meaningless for restarts and you're forced to just become one with the track and pump the pedals and the brake to navigate long stretches at speed or, or twisty turns with caution. And it's a really good game that I'm sure if I had put more time into, very similar to what you said, Jonathan, it probably would have found a place somewhere on the list. The next non-entry <laughs> is the Little Nightmares duology, because oh, I think yeah. it would absolutely rank somewhere on this list for me if Inside and Limbo didn't exist. <laughs> so, yeah. It's that simple, really. They're different enough to absolutely be worth playing, but similar enough that you have to ask yourself, why have silver if you can have gold? <laughs> it's, you know, it's no point. Yeah. Both of them are very good cinematic puzzle platformers, both very much lean into the genre trappings of games I've mentioned lots of times before, like the original Prince of Persia, Another World, Flashback, all those sorts of things. Both of them are very spooky and scary in places as well. For me, the non-horror person, a section in Little Nightmares 2 gave me and Georgia the heebie-jeebies to such an extent that we just had to drop tools, the tools here being the Switch controller, and just leave the house <laughs> so we weren't near the TV anymore. <laughs> and it's because it involves that horror genre standard of, of enemies or, or, or things that only move when you are not looking directly no. at them. And the first time one of those appeared... I was very close to doing a little pee in my pants when it suddenly <laughs> lumbered forwards when I passed it and there was, you know, it was no longer in my field of view. They are beautifully made games. They both look fantastic no matter the platform you play them on. But as I did mention way back when, for the first game at least, the Switch is not the best place to play it because every restart triggers a reload time of over 60 seconds, if not longer, yeah. in some stages. Shocking. And for a game that is based primarily on trial and error, that's unacceptable <laughs> it's just just not not okay no. finally finally not making the cut i loved new star manager oh, when it yeah. came out on consoles i'd not played it on mobile so it was a fresh experience for me despite it being out for quite some time at that point but the more hands-on control of the game really fit a controller i thought more than it would have fit a touchscreen now before new star soccer became the mobile phenomenon that it was it actually had five iterations on the PC as a hybrid arcade football game in the vein of sensible soccer mixed with a life sim. And whereas the slim down pick up and play nature of New Star Soccer's mobile port was absolutely the right direction for that series, New Star Manager felt like a continuation of New Star Soccer 5 that I'd played with my brother Tom for 20, 30 hours on Steam years prior. And so I played New Star Manager pretty voraciously for a few weeks and then for whatever reason just stopped and dropped off it. In the height of play, I absolutely felt it was going to replace New Star Soccer on my list. But this sharp drop-off versus the mobile hits near infinite draw made me realise it just wasn't deserving of that crown just yet. You know, if it ever gets a sequel, perhaps, but at the time, it's not quite there. I played New Star Soccer during every spare minute I had for a good calendar year, I'd say, whilst working the care job I had prior to teaching. And it was the first game I installed when I got my first iPhone after a few years in the wilderness with my HTC Windows phone. Mm -hmm. And it remains one of the first games I install every time I upgrade a handset, even today. I might not be actively playing it every day anymore, but it feels important to have access to it alongside things like Desert Golfing and Super Hexagon, which still, you know, are in my list. And they're these mobile games I think are just perfect, explicit mobile experiences. So I can't recommend New Star Manager enough, but also, even in its free-to-play version, I recommend New Star Soccer more. And that's why it doesn't make the cut. There we go. So over the course of the three years that we spent reflecting on 100 games that were in contention for our top 100 list, 
inevitably we replayed some or sometimes when it was their chance to be talked about we just had a really good think about them we had a good think about them sometimes we thought actually i might have placed this a bit too high or sometimes you thought holy shit why did i place this so low (laughs) other games are going to be reframed in a modern context a new iteration will have come out of a game and made us think differently about absolutely everything that came before so this next little section is dedicated to the movers and shakers in our list games that we've reappraised and thought this needs to be higher this needs to be lower actually i'm going to sub this one out for animal crossing new horizons (laughs) i'll start by highlighting a couple of games that have fallen down the list a little bit not because i don't still love them but in thoroughly reappraising them during the last few seasons you do start to reframe them a bit in your mind inevitably as games are added above them in the list a lot of games are just tumbling down a few places but Link's Awakening has dropped out of my top 10, and I think that's largely down to Breath of the Wild having spent longer in my life and brain now than it had done previously. And whilst Wind Waker still remains my personal favourite Zelda game, Breath of the Wild is now a close second. Technically, Breath of the Wild hasn't actually moved in its place on my list, but five games have gone (laughs) above it, so therefore it has kind of gone up five places. But also, Link's Awakening is only dropping to number 15 because it's still a very, very important game to me. Another game that's ended up trickling down the list is Metal Gear Ghost Babel on the Game Boy Color. And I think I got a bit caught up in how much I loved that game when I was speaking about it. Like it it had a monumentally special place in my heart because I feel like I was the only one who had really played it and appreciated it. It's still a contender for the objective best game on the Game Boy Color, but as far as my personal favorites go, it's hard for it not to be eclipsed by the likes of Pokemon and Zelda. So that's dropped down into the 20s. The final game that's dropped a bit lower is Heroes of Might and Magic 3. And I apologize to friend of the show, Andy Smith, my brother Alex. They'll both be listening to this and clutching their chest as these words pierce their hearts. I adore this game still. It's very special to me. But I've said before that strategy games just aren't my bag at all. And so, to be honest, it's amazing that there's even one strategy game on my list. And that is Heroes 3. But there's been a few times I've gone to play it over the last couple of years as I've got the HD remaster on my iPad, which is just a really lovely fit. And I just don't feel that pull to play it as much when I'm on my own. Like outside of Andy's company or my brother's, I'd love to play it with either of them sat by my side. I'm still waiting for Hero 7 to work on my Steam Deck so I can play that. And I might fall in love with the series again through that or by playing Heroes 3 again when I'm in the right mood to fully appreciate it. But for now, Heroes 3 has tumbled down to number 55 in my list. In terms of what's moved higher, listen up. Xenoblade Chronicles. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go, Minty. Take note. I initially had the 3DS port in my list at number 84. But since then, we've had the definitive edition remaster of the game on the Switch. And it was my chance to properly experience the game like never before. Improved graphics and performance and a few gameplay and quality of life tweaks that just elevated it to another level. I also got to complete it for the first time. I kind of got a little bit almost softlocked out of the end game on the 3DS. And I didn't quite have the patience to grind my level higher on low level monsters to tackle the final area of the game. And I was not prepared for the ending of Xenoblade Chronicles. It 
absolutely blew me away. Took took my breath away in a way that like I never thought it was going to do. For that alone, it shot up about 50 places on my list. <laughs> <laughs> it's now sitting at number 33. Oh. And also, after I spoke last week about having specific games standing in for a series of games, I am going to be a bit cheeky and have Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition standing in for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as well to free up a space in my list for Sping to go in as I teased earlier. Okay, okay. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is an incredible game. It added a million more layers of complexity to its combat system, which, when you got your head around it, it was unbelievably satisfying to execute. But it it didn't quite have the simplicity and the charm that the first game had for me. So I'm not taking Xenoblade 2 out of my list. But for now, it's Xenoblade 1 that's the poster boy for that series in my list. It might be usurped by Xenoblade 3 when I make my way further through that over the next few years. We shall see. But it's great to have Xenoblade Chronicles 1 sitting on my list as a contender for my favourite JRPG, along with Shine in the Holy Ark and Panzer Dragoon Saga. Hello! Which I'd like to talk about now. I got the chance to properly replay this game before I spoke about it when it was in my list at number 38. Both me and Chris held our heads in our hands when we realised how lower down the list it was and and how much higher it certainly should be so now it's sitting at number 36 on my list but really (laughs) really i've added a whole bunch of games on top of it this season so it's actually moved up about 15 places (laughs) Uh, and uh, (laughs) and me and chris will will still hold true to our promise of streaming a 100% playthrough of it at some point and it may well creep higher in light of that It's a monumental achievement. It's a monumental technical achievement for that generation of games. It has no right to be on the Saturn, but it is. And it's extraordinary. It is an incredible vision of a game. And it is a legitimate masterpiece. It's just too many other games. Speaking of replaying older games that totally hold their own, even when viewed and played through a modern lens, Worms Armageddon blew me away when I played it in lockdown with my group of friends from uni. Again, it's got no right to be as good as it still is. It totally feels and plays like a modern game. The formula never been bettered, and I had such a brilliant time playing it every Friday night for many, many weeks. So that's ended up jumping up my list where it was at number 88. Number one. Now, number 60. Yeah, hey. number one with a bullet. Yeah, with a little <laughs> the end. A few straight swaps have happened as well. Mario Maker 2 is in for the original Mario Maker, which was a no-brainer. If you haven't seen Chris tackle my Super Mario Maker 2 Super World on our YouTube channel... You're missing a treat. So head over to our website or find us on YouTube and watch that. And you can see what my hundred hours of play into that game created. I've also swapped Fallout 3 for Fallout New Vegas as well on my list. I think I kind of did this at the time because I spoke about them both when they originally featured at number 45 on my list. And I, I do think that New Vegas is a better game. So I'd like to have that cemented. That's that's in writing now. Fallout New Vegas Official. is the one there. But Obsidian, who made Fallout New Vegas, their other effort, or their latest effort, was a close contender for being included in my list as well, which was The Outer Worlds. Yeah. And I think if they can refine that formula and tone in the upcoming Outer Worlds 2, it could be a game that even outs Fallout from my list, because I love what they're doing with The Outer Worlds games very, very much. Thumper being swapped out for Thumper VR. (laughs) Rightly so. It's a game that you don't necessarily want to elevate to another level of intensity, but... Also, playing it in VR is far and away one of the most intense immersive gaming experiences. 
Of course, Animal Crossing New Horizons has replaced New Leaf in my list. We don't need to talk about all the ways in which that game is a bigger, fuller experience. That's doubly so after receiving the expansion and updates that it's had over its lifetime as well. It is an unbelievable experience. It's a a literal vital experience of gaming for millions of people throughout the pandemic. It's technically jumped up a few spots on my list, given that there are some new games featuring above it in my top 10. But it is now sitting at number 11, where New Leaf was at number 12. Even within my amendments from this last season, owing to the extraordinary massive expansion, Sunbreak, Monster Hunter Rise has nearly quadrupled its previous playtime on my (laughs) Switch. And I've had just an even better time playing it than I initially did. The amount of joy I've got from playing it, doing so much of it in co-op with a friend who's playing it at the same time as me, which was an experience I didn't have playing the standards Rise game. It's one of those games I feel defines me now, which is crazy when I've never played one before. And this is now up to number... One. 14. Four. One four. That's high. <laughs> like you look at some of the other games where you'll hear, you'll hear the rundown later, but it totally deserves its place that high up. The last game I'm going to talk about in this section is probably the move with the most weight on it. Not because of how many places it's moved up, because it's only actually moved up six places... But that has seen The Binding of Isaac move to number four on my list. Oh, jeez. And that is courtesy of the extraordinary Repentance expansion that came out in the last year or so. It saw me plough literally hundreds more hours into the game to explore the obscene amount of content in there. But crucially, the game didn't just get bigger and more bloated like previous expansions and DLC and booster packs have been doing year on year on year but Repentance twiddled all the right knobs to balance that game out perfectly. It's an extraordinary feat, and it's the most complete package of a game that is just unbelievably fun and unbearably addictive. If you haven't seen me play it or Minty play it, you can head over to our YouTube channel again, watch our many, many runs there. What an unbelievable game. It's another game that truly defines me as a gamer, and it should sit in my top five on my list. So it does. Easy peasy. What are you worried about? Well done. Well done, games. Chris, what are the big movers and shakers in your list? Well, I haven't just been cribbing from your notes, Jonathan, but I'm opening with Panzer Dragoon Saga. <laughs> Currently 39 on my list. It's moving up to number 12. What the? When I talked wow. about Panzer Dragoon Saga as my 39th. <laughs> when I talked about Panzer Dragoon Saga as my 39th favourite game of all time, I admitted there and then that I had done it dirty by yeah. virtue of embedding it into my list before I'd ever finished it. Yeah. I was trading on a combination of childhood memories and internet wisdom that said <laughs> it was good. And then during the months leading up to that episode, I thought, no, I need to I need to do this properly. So I played it through to 100% completion for the first time. And as I navigated through each of the four discs, I just regretted my decision to rank it as low as I did more and more every time I swapped to the next one. Mm. I've not played that many JRPGs and I've finished very few of those that I have played. But of the limited pool I can draw from, I can say confidently that for me, Panzer Dragoon Saga is the best because for the time it came out, it's visually stunning. It's got a next level soundtrack that fuses world music and classical music and electronic music into tantalizing fusion. All of these audio visual choices really sell the game setting as well. They feed into the lore of it as a place of lived in history that's built upon you know, these legendary dragon monsters, but developed by its people into an area of transition with religion and class fighting to be the dominant force. And then the combat itself manages to reference the rail shooter routes of Panzer Dragoon and Panzer Dragoon's Y. You know, it's two forebears, 
while still allowing tactical consideration that people expect with turn-based combat. The writing's good. The character and the enemy designs are, are really good. The basic rhythm of the game is good. That it's all as masterfully done as it is, like a full 3D world with open, explorable sectors at a time when pre-rendered backgrounds and sprite-based characters were the norm, really. It's really exciting. And playing it, as I did, 25 or so years after its release, none of that was dulled. For me as well, even the game's length, which was a bugbear for some at release, because it's probably only 15, 20 hours long, depending on how much you dally. Perfect for me. Yeah. I hate a long game. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm very happy to be able to write the wrongs of past Chris and move Panzer Dragoon Saga up the list nearly 30 places. <laughs> it oh, is man. tickling yeah. the top 10, as you might say, Jonathan. Next, another huge jump for a Sega Saturn game, Sega Rally 93, moving up to 68 because Sega Rally is going to leap up the list to sit just behind Goldeneye on the N64 because both games represent the very best of their platforms. And crucially, I think both games are brilliant fun to play even today, you know, that long after their initial releases. Every time I've built a new emulation setup from the SD card optical disk drive replacement of an actual Saturn a few years back through to my gaming laptop and the four terabyte emulation station external drive and now to my Steam Deck, Sega Rally is the game that needs to work to prove the emulated solution is viable. <laughs> it's important to have that on there. And the arcade version of Sega Rally is still the first thing I've run towards every time I visited the arcade club in Berry, a place that we must remember I had never been to prior to starting this show. Yeah. You know, I compiled my list initially, placing Sega Rally in at number 93 based on the memories I had of playing the Sega Saturn version as a literal child <laughs> and the arcade game that I played in my stinky student union bar at university. I have now played more Sega Rally in the last four years than I have most AAA games. And <laughs> yes, each session may have only lasted between like 15 minutes and an hour, depending on how aggressively I fancied attempting to nail each corner. But times that by, God knows, 200? <laughs> and you're looking at a pretty decent chunk of play. So I think it deserves its, its movement up. A game falling down, Nino Kuni, currently 43. It's dropping to 72. Ooh. A bit of a fall from grace. Whereas I'd been tempted, literally, just this last fortnight to restart a playthrough of Panzer Dragoon Saga, the motivation to revisit the level five and, and Ghibli Helms RPG just isn't quite there. Mm. And it's a game with a slow beginning. It doesn't lend itself brilliantly well, I don't think, to repeat play because of that, because the mechanics are drip fed to you over the course of like 10 hours. Uh, drippy fed? Oh. As opposed to Panzer Dragoon, which throws you in with almost everything you need within the first 30 minutes. Nino Kuni is still a game I'm very fond of, but I never finished my playthrough of the remaster on the PlayStation 4. And to be honest, even though I own a copy now on the Switch and would happily pick it up if it hit a deep discount on Steam in the future, I just don't know when I'm going to have the inclination to play it again. So I think it deserves a place, especially for someone as JRPG averse as me, as it represents some of the steps a game needs to take to draw in a genre heathen like Chris. <laughs> but I don't think it deserved to hit quite as high as it did. Yeah, I mean, Nino Kuni is in the 80s in my list. That's fair, fair. For what a wonderful experience it is, I feel I can relive that experience just by listening to the soundtrack yeah. rather than replay yeah. the game. And that's wonderful, you know. Another change, obviously made whilst perching on your shoulder, Jonathan Dunn. Thumper is moving from 34 to 21. Ooh. It's going higher. Wowzers. It's a game that gets better and better the better you are at it. Mm. And 
that rings true for most rhythm games because obviously a, a nicely sounded section of a song in Guitar Hero, for instance, is always going to sound better than a scuffed solo with a bunch <laughs> of mistimed duff notes. But in Thumper, doing well is more than just hitting commands on cue because it's the flourishes you then add in between your perfect combos and the, the little dance your, your finger is doing on the D-pad to leap and thump and leap and thump at every opportunity for more and more points. When Thumper was placed on my list, I had beaten the game, you know, which is a reasonable achievement in itself. It's a, it's a tough one. But then after I talked about it and after I'd refreshed my memory of the game to bring it up on the show, I continued to play it for a good few weeks until I had S-ranked the entire thing start to finish. And I still think this could be my greatest gaming achievement. Yeah, It's a level of difficulty that's almost unfathomable. <laughs> like yeah. It's really tough. Hmm. We talked the other week about Tetris Effect working either flat or in VR. But I think Thumper is an example of a game I just can't imagine playing without the focus of a headset yeah. to do it properly. When I was gunning for those S ranks, I'd occasionally shift the game to the TV so I could be a bit more social in the evenings with Georgia. And every time I'd start struggling to hit even basic patterns in the game. And then I'd go, I'll, you know, I'll just do one more stage to put the headset back on. And the extreme, almost blinkered viewpoint the PlayStation VR goggles afforded, I'd be back at my best. I think Thumper in VR is perhaps the best VR experience I've ever had outside of Mitsuguchi's Res and Tetris. It's astonishing, really. And finally, 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 didn't want to waste the whole episode on this amendment, but naturally, Animal Crossing New Leaf will become Animal Crossing New Horizons. C'est plaisir. (laughs) (laughs) C'est bon. Minty, why don't you take us on a trip through your movers and indeed into the very depths of your shakers? Mm. In cementing my list, I realized I had made a couple of errors. Mm. For whatever reason, there was a period of a few weeks where I just forgot to write down what I'd taken out of my list and where I'd put new entries, (laughs) which resulted in me removing Pokemon Emerald twice and putting three new games in at number 77. So... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is about 77. It just seems like a good, solid number. But I've since removed Pokemon Stadium as well as that second Pokemon Emerald. And in the rejig, I've put my three number 77s. So that's Paper Mario, The Origami King, Ring Fit Adventure and Disco Zoo at 78, 79 and 80, respectively. In terms of simple shuffling, just moving things around, I'm pretty happy where everything has ended up for the most part. I've swapped a link between worlds with spirit tracks because I don't know what the fuck I was thinking there. So <laughs> link between worlds is now up at 37 and yeah. spirit tracks is now at 67. Should be in the I was chatting to a guy at work who wanted square Enix recommendations. And that reminded me that final fantasy six needs to be a lot higher. So I've moved that up to number 30, swapping that with the Mario Kart DS Super Mario 3D World is going up. I'm going to be swapping it with Shovel Knight Plague of Shadows. For me, it is the best 3D Mario game, which was made even better by the Odysseyfication of Bowser's Fury, that fun little expansion that was added to the Switch port a year or two back. The Switch port is not replacing the Wii U version in my list, because even though Bowser's Fury was good, I hope it's it's more of a shape of things to come, more than just a throwaway project that they had some newbie developers work on. <laughs> now let's get on to uh, the Shakers. Metroid Dread is a better 2D Metroid game than Metroid Fusion, and it's a better Metroid Fusion game. Taking our top spot last year as the best game of 2021 by virtue of uh, more than one of us actually playing it and enjoying it. <laughs> 
it's hard to believe that this game was kept under wraps for so long, being released only a few months after being announced. A bit like that U2 album that basically got planted on everyone's iPod about 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, taking things a step further from Metroid Fusion, uh, Samus's Metroid DNA is no longer just a hindrance in frigid temperatures, but eventually culminates in her being able to tap into Metroid's extraordinary command over over energy, giving us a very fancy chopped salad looking power suit and mm. the firepower of about 40 Gokus. <laughs> Gone are the days of gingerly wandering around, scared, uh, one relentless killing machine. Instead of one SAX, there are now eight Emmy robots on patrol ready to grab you and just like stab you in the neck or face. If the dozens of times I failed those quick time events or anything to go by, it's it's a fantastic game. It's one of the purest Metroid experiences. But that said, Prime 2 is in my top 10 and it's absolutely untouchable by its sister game. So we won't be putting Dread up so high. It can swap places with Metroid Prime 3, though, from 77 up to 41. Now, let's talk about the Binding of Isaac Repentance again. For me, it's a weird one. I'm going to be replacing The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, which was at number 12, uh, with Repentance because it is now the definitive version of the game in terms of content and creativity. But I am going to be moving it down a few places. It's been a bit of a wild ride for The Binding of Isaac, starting life as a flash game, taking the world by storm, receiving an expansion that made it literally as big as a flash game could possibly get. Then we had the stunning remake, uh, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, a good expansion, a then less than good second expansion that completely threw the game off kilter in terms of item bloat and just, just took some of the fun of the game away. We finally got Repentance then, the last expansion to The Binding of Isaac, which added not only two new characters, but distilled alternate versions of every single character in the game, adding a whole new set of levels, a brand new level par, New enemies, new bosses, new final bosses and items, collectibles, consumables and trinkets. We were amazed when this game came out that the way to fix the bloat issue seemed to be to add even more content into the game. Now that huge amount of new stuff, it didn't totally fix the bloating issue, but it did spread everything a little bit thinner, though, which helped <laughs> safeguard most runs against being nothing but useless crap. I would still consider the game unfinished, though, because the void floor in particular needs a complete rework to stop it being the lazy mess that it has remained since it was touted as a brand new floor and final boss in Afterbirth Plus, which uh, just turned out to be a bullet hell nightmare of a fight that reused every other boss in the game and had a nasty tendency to basically telefrag you. So until the void is its own entity and not just a floor that reuses the assets of every floor before it, and until the Delirium boss fright has a decent design and some unique animations that aren't just a stupid white face slightly vibrating at you, it's not going to be number 11. It's going down to number 33. Wow. I still love it, and I've still put thousands of hours into it, but I just want that last area to get a little bit of attention. Okay, it wouldn't be a season 3.5 episode of the O3C podcast without me talking about Digimon, so I just want to say I'm very sorry, everybody, but... I was so gung-ho on Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth for so long, and now I've decided I don't want it in my list anymore. I'm replacing it with <laughs> Digimon Survive, and I'll happily tell you why. In the bin, in the mud. Yeah. Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth is a JRPG with Digimon in it. 
Digimon Survive is a Digimon game. To really capture what it means to be a Digimon game, to pinpoint that borderline ineffable Digimonstrosity, let's look at the franchise as a whole. Let's. So they started out as virtual pets. Digimon was released as a counterpart to the Tamagotchi, but the unique selling point of the Tamagotchi was that alongside nurturing a small virtual pet, you could also use it to fight, which meant that it wasn't gay to have one. I had a Tamagotchi and a Digimon growing up, which explains why I'm bisexual. That little keychain is Digimon in a nutshell. (laughs) That little keychain is Digimon in a nutshell. That bond between human and monster, the care you show one another being the foundation of great strength, which would be explored further in the Digimon TV series. Not only do the positive aspects of one's character grant your Digimon partner great strength, Giving in to your darker tendencies awakens terrible transformations, endangering you and all those around you. The franchise deals with complex and mature themes, asks big questions surrounding ethics, morality, love and power, giving an engaging visual representation of those themes whilst treating an audience made of younger viewers and players with respect. While we can dismiss the power of love allowing a bird with teeth to transform into the Hindu god Garuda as slightly banal in principle, every time we see this happen on screen, or in a game it's a great victory not just in letting you pummel the monster of the week but by recognizing and validating just how important it is to act with these positive attributes not just in the game but in life as well the first few digimon games were more extensions of the little virtual pets than they were the stories told in the tv show which i think the series never really recovered from alongside being seen as an inferior competitor of pokemon in the same way that Franz Ferdinand should have had the success that the Killers did. Digimon should have stood head and shoulders above Pokemon. Bold take. We've seen some games since those early entries retell the story of the shows. We've seen Cyber Sleuth be a well-made JRPG with Digimon in it. But it's Digimon Survive that captures the essence of what Digimon is truly about. A Labrador turning into a Cerberus and telling you that their new form is proof of your courage. Digimon Survive replaces Cyber Sleuth and gets pushed up to number 34, in good company with Slime Rancher, another wonderfully emotive storytelling experience. Bosh. There we go. That was Mintimon. It was, yes. (laughs) So, if that was our movers and shakers, I think it's worth reflecting on the process of this season and how difficult it has been to jettison some of the games that have had to leave the list to make way for some of these new ones. Been awful. It's been really tough. Consistently, week in, week out, it's been tough to to really highlight a game that we once thought was list-worthy and why suddenly it is not. That's that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. I know we've all had difficult calls to make regarding which games to, to chuck in the bin for new favourites, but symbolically, I know we'd all have loved to be able to retain some of these entries. I, for example, would have loved to have found space to keep something like the original Game Boy Tetris as the representation of my personal Tetris Genesis. But as I mentioned in that episode, it does feel like the torch has been passed in Tetris Effect. So in death, we see light. Mm -hmm. Now, even revisiting a game like Xenoblade Chronicles X via emulation recently, it reminded me of how much I loved it, but it also made me feel that it just doesn't spark joy in the same way like Bomber Raid or Quick and Crash or Balloon Kid. Because it's an experience that feels enough like those I can have elsewhere, that it had to go to make room for these other plucky upstarts. So is Xenoblade Chronicles X better than Little Inferno? 
Yes, absolutely. Is it more interesting? No, probably not. (laughs) And that really had to be the driver this season, I think, for a lot of our choices. So whether pruning our lists to feel more autobiographical, as you described, Jonathan, or attempting to represent the underrepresented, like I sometimes have, or for you, Minty, sort of curating the very best these genres have to offer, I think we'd now like to list the season 3.5 casualties of the O3C podcast, Addendum Cole, in memoriam. Fire Emblem Fates, Saints Row 4, (laughs) Star Wars, The Wonderful 101, Pokemon Snap, Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls, Pokemon Fire Red, Pokemon X, Banjo-Kazooie, The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass, Diddy Kong Racing, (laughs) X-Men Legends, Final Fantasy III, The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, Pokemon Rumble, (laughs) New Super Mario Bros. U, Elebits, (laughs) Creatures 2. Tetris, life is strange. Toejam and Earl 2, colon, panic on Funkotron. Xenoblade Chronicles X. Spelunky, Deus X. Halo, combat evolved. Dragon Quest and or Warrior. Terraria, Robotron 2084. Sid Meier's Pirates (laughs) Outrun Burning Rangers Fighters Megamix Dynamite Heady DJ Hero Rocket Knight Adventures Limbo Excite Truck Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Clockwork Night 2. <laughs> Thief. The Dark Project. Alex Kid in Miracle World. <laughs> Dragon Warrior Monsters. Bastion. King's Quest 8. Mask of Eternia. Fuck Eternity. off. Fuck off. <laughs> Metroid Zero Mission. Dishonored. Kirby's Dream Land <laughs> Mario Kart DS Mario Kart Super Circuit <laughs> Harvest Moon Counter-Strike Condition Zero Sonic 3D Flicky's Island <laughs> Pokemon X <laughs> Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze Overcooked Sonic 3 in a way <laughs> Picross 3D Pokemon Ultra Sun Super Hot VR Half Life Thief Deadly Shadows Forza Horizon 4 <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles 2 
the legend of Zelda. A link to the past. <laughs> so, as I was brought into the world on the 4th of December 1986, the number one song in the chart that day, it's the final countdown. <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Amazing. So, here it is. These are our top 100 lists. And to start us off, Minty. Well, what are your top 100 favourite video games, Minty? All right. Well, in no particular order. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got Rakuga Kids, Hydro Thunder, Bioshock Infinite, Golf Story, Worms Armageddon, The World Ends With You, Rayman Legends, Dragon Age Origins, Insaniquarium, Final Fantasy X, Minesweeper Genius, Luigi's Mansion, Mass Effect, Nairi Tower of Shirin, Turok Dinosaur Hunter, Fantasy Life, Kirby's Epic Yarn, Mario Galaxy, The Room VR, Street Racer, Disco Zoo, Ring Fit Adventure, Paper Mario, The Origami King, Metroid Dread, Puzzle & Dragon Z, Snake RX, Psychonauts, Twilight Princess, Doom 64, Super Mario Odyssey, New Pokemon Snap, Kingdom Hearts, Spirit Tracks, Chrono Trigger, Mario Kart 8, Super Mario World, Wind Waker, Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance, Super Mario Sunshine, Tetris Effect, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Pokemon Blue, Portal 2, Super Auto Pets, F-Zero GX, Turok 2 Seeds of Evil, Xenoblade Chronicles X, Final Fantasy 7, Pokemon Black 2, Banjo-Tooie, Stardew Valley, Splatoon, Mario & Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, Mario Kart DS, Plague of Shadows, Shovel Knight, Skyrim, The Thousand Year Door, Metroid Prime 3, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Bomb Club, Doom 2, Link Between Worlds, Golden Sun, Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, Slime Rancher, Digimon Survive, Binding of Isaac Repentance, Link's Awakening, Viva Pinata Trouble in Paradise, Tales of Vesperia, Final Fantasy VI, Quake, Octopath Traveler, Metroid Prime, DuckTales, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, Rollercoaster Tycoon, Super Mario 3D World, Wario Land 2, Breath of the Wild, Super Paper Mario, Disgaea 5, Bravely Default 2, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Road Leader, Baton Kytos, Dragon Quest 11, Majora's Mask, Pharaoh, Saints Row 2, Number 10, Doom, Number 9, Dream Team Brothers, Number 8, Shin Megami Tensei 5, Number 7, Super Mario Brothers 3, Number 6, Metroid Prime 2, Number 5, Paper Mario, Number 4, Space Station Silicon Valley, Number 3, Link to the Past, Number 2, Pokemon Silver, and Number 1, Tales of Symphonia. Well done. Oh. Well done. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Chef's Chris, what's yours? In ascending order, Bomber Raid, Zuma's Revenge, Quick and Crash, Hugsy, Backspace Buchan, Darius Burst, Chronicle Saviors, Desert Golfing, Comic Zone, Little Inferno, Balloon Kid, Angry Birds Trilogy, Desert Child, Portal, Still Alive, Blast Core, Burnout 2, Braid, Rhythm Tengoku, Super Hexagon, Fantasy Life, Static, Quackshot, Yonder, The Cloudcatcher Chronicles, Mario Golf, Game Boy Color, Proteus, The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time 3D, Castle of Illusion, Eco, Beautiful Katamari, Nino Kuni, Submerged, Um Jamalami, Gunstar Heroes, Superhot VR, Sega Rally, Goldeneye 007, Eurotruck Simulator 2, 
Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition. Plants vs Zombies. Earth Defense Force 2017. Journey. Time Crisis 2. Metal Gear Solid. Her Story. GTA 3. TXK. Love Plus. Guardian Heroes. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Fantasy Star Online. Firewatch. Sonic R. Herodias The Fantastic Journey. Diddy Kong Racing. Forager. Worms Armageddon. Pro Evolution Soccer 6. Super Mario Maker. Ridge Racer 3D. Nine Persons, Nine Hours, Nine Doors. Doom. VVV, VVV. Time Splitters 2. F-Zero X. The Simpsons Arcade. Untitled Goose Game. Mario Kart 8 DX. Crackdown. Nights into Dreams. Binding of Isaac, Afterbirth Plus. Outrun 2, Coast to Coast. The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. Grindstone, New Star Soccer, Super Crate Box, Hotline Miami, Peggle Deluxe, Super Mario 3D World, Pokemon Go, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, Thumper, Kentucky Route Zero, Pick Pick, Pokemon Red Slash Blue, Tetris 99, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Streets of Rage 2, Wario Land 2 Full Throttle Not 2 Panzer Dragoon Saga Sonic 3 and Knuckles Number 10 Inside Number 9 Luminaires Number 8 WarioWare Inc Number 7 Super Mario 64 Number 6 Rock Band 3 Number 5 Super Mario Odyssey Number four, Jonathan Blows, The Witness. Number three, Animal Crossing, New Horizons. Number two, Res Infinite. Number one, Tetris Effect. C'est bon. C'est bon. Here we go. These are my hundred favourite video games in a very particular order. <laughs> Jurassic Park, Sonic R, Athlete Kings, Backspace Bouquin, Sping, Astral Chain, Superliminal, Portal 2, Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color, Lego Harry Potter, Steamworld Heist, Papers Please, Fantasy Life, WarioWare, Micro Mega Ginky Minky Dinky Minky Games Inc, Nino Cooney Wrath of the White Witch, Returnal, God of War, Wario Land 2, Grindstone, The End is Nigh. Rayman Legends, Mario and Rabbids, Kingdom Battle, The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, Thumper VR, Machinarium, Celeste, Thomas Was Alone, Beautiful Joe, Wario Land 4, New Pokemon Snap, Super Mario 3D Land, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader, Wonder Boy 3 The Dragon's Trap, Spider-Man, Luigi's Mansion 2, Fallout New Vegas, Donkey Kong Country, Tomb Raider Anniversary, <laughs> Super Mario 64 DS, Worms Armageddon, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, Stardew Valley, New Super Mario Brothers, Heroes of Mind and Magic 3, Metroid Fusion, Mario Kart 8, Journey, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, Sonic 3, and Knuckles, Metroid Dread, Resident Evil 4, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Super Monkey Ball, Octopath Traveler, Hades, Sea of Thieves, Knights into White Satin Dreams, Super Mario Odyssey, Blue Fire, Rayman, This War of Mine, Control, Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem, Panzer Dragoon Saga, Inside Super Mario, 
Maker 2, Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> Definitive Edition, Super Mario Sunshine, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, The Messenger, Bioshock Infinite, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D, Pokemon Blue Slash Yellow, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D, Super Smash Brothers Melee, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, Metal Gear Ghost Babel, Tetris Effect, Outer Wilds, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages, Golden Sun, Dead Cells, Hollow Knight, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Monster Hunter Rise, The Witness, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and at number 10, Thief 2 The Metal Age, number 9, The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker HD, number 8, Ori and the Blind Forest, number 7, Shining the Holy Ark, number 6, Metroid Prime. Number five, Pokemon Gold. Number four, The Binding of Isaac Repentance. Number three, Dark Souls Trilogy. Number two, Half-Life 2. Number one, Elden Ring. Well done. So, there it is. Thank you so much, everybody, who's been listening to us for the last season, for the last four seasons. This is, for now, our definitive top 100 favourite video games of all time lists. It remains to say an enormous thank you to Chris Dow and Minty Booth for being my compatriots for the last four years. We have been on just an incredible journey together to get to this point where we have, I mean, not quite 300 games, but probably, how many different games do you reckon there are? 250, probably, maybe? Yeah, probably. Yeah, around that. What a collection of games. What a collection of games and what an incredible journey we've been on together. This has just been the most incredible project I've ever done. And I love it. And I love you both so, so much. This is not the end of the O3C podcast. Me and Chris will be continuing with some special episodes with a whole other season of content. We'll be telling you all about that over the coming weeks. But before we do that, next week we are having a proper send-off for Minty Booth. It's going to be a fantastic celebration of everything that Minty's contributed to the show. And just a, it's been a wonderful chance to, to reflect on all of those wonderful times and those hilarious moments. So don't miss that. If you've enjoyed what we're doing, if you're looking forward to what's to come, then please do share the podcast on social media, get some other people listening. You can even jump over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash O3C Games. You can pledge some support to us. You'll get a whole bunch of bonus material, bonus episodes, deleted scenes, outtakes, video content, and you'll be welcomed into the Patreon exclusive Discord server, where you can chat with us about what games we're playing, what games you're playing, what you'd like to see on the future of the show and all manner of things it's great we very much appreciate the support and it will be vital in how we continue the show going forward you can chat to us on all of our social media platforms at o3c games or you can reach out to us individually i'm on twitter at jonathan dunn i am still at Chaz underscore hodges and i'm still clement underscore boo please do join us next week as we round this season off with a fantastic minty farewell special it's goodbye but not forever and now a word from our sponsor and now a word from our sponsor and now a word from our sponsor 
Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast where two guys delve into the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, and the impact it's had on pop culture. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have... No, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. Us. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks we do linguistic analysis. The Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine, but so the changed meaning in Japanese it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Oh, Sarah, you... I think your apartment is haunted. <laughs> Check us out at the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello fans, as part of the HyperX Podcast Network, we're letting you know that this year's HyperX's 20th birthday. To celebrate, they're offering some great deals on their award-winning game of year. If you're in the market for a new headset, a new microphone, blue light, blocking eyewear, or any number of other high... Head on over to HyperX20.com to check out all of their birthday deals. Once again, check out the HyperX 20th birthday sale over at HyperX.com. <laughs>